Hello, my name is Kiana W. Mitchell, and I am a singer, songwriter, podcaster, and relationship coach. I am also a Christian who for years grew up in a religion that taught me to fear God instead of have a relationship with God. It wasn't until I lost my religion and developed a relationship with God that I was able to understand how much God really loved me. Each one of us have a story to tell about how we found God. Each one of us have taken a different path and a different journey to find God. So join me as we go on a journey through interviews and music to discover how people find God. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Finding God Podcast. I am your host, Kiana W. Mitchell. Our guest for this week is Julie. Julie is the founder of From Bud to Bloom, a Christian ministry that helps adult children gain clarity and peace as they bloom in faith, healing, and wholeness after difficult or traumatic childhoods. Her podcast, Room to Bloom, helps people navigate painful family relationships with grace, while elevating healthy and biblical principles and decisions, which debuts in early 2024. So without further ado, here's the interview that I did with Julie. Hello, Julie. How are you today? Good. I'm great. Thanks. How are you? I am doing great. And thank you so much for being willing to be a guest on the Finding God podcast. I'm happy to be here. And I'm super excited that you are here. Now, I do have some questions for you, and they're not really hard, but we're just going to go ahead with it. So my first question is, what was your childhood like? It was really challenging. Um, My mom has a mental illness called borderline personality disorder. Um, It was not diagnosed until I was in my 20s, and so it was basically an untreated mental illness. Um, and so of course that caused a lot of issues in my family, um, being divorced with my parents when I was two. And then my mom remarried when, um, I was eight or nine. And, um, so I had a stepfather, um, but overall the mental illness was, you know, created a lot of challenges in our family. I can understand because I used to work as a rehabilitation counselor. So I help people with disabilities find employment. And some of the most difficult people to work with were people with borderline um, personality disorder. It was very difficult sometimes. And so I can only imagine what you actually went through as a child. Yeah, there was a lot. Um, And so, you know, just starting off, I just wanted to say that, you know, there's just facts of my childhood, but in no way do I want to stigmatize anybody who has a mental illness Um, You know, nobody wants to have that. It's not their fault, but it does create challenges for that person as well as their family. Um, And one of those was, you know, my mom's ever-changing stance on religion. Mm -hmm. Um, So when my parents were married, my dad was a pastor of a small church and my mom played piano. Um, So she was the pastor's wife, but 
I believe that the mental illness caused a lot of issues in their marriage and they ended up um, divorcing when I was two. And because of that, I feel like my mom sort of got a bad taste in her mouth for Christianity and began sort of exploring. And so when she um, remarried, um, my mom and my stepfather began exploring um, the Messianic Jewish church. And then when I was uh, about 12, they actually converted to Judaism. Oh, wow. That is amazing. I think that's Yeah, it's quite cool. a journey. Yeah. Yeah, it is quite a journey. Um, but, you know, that has to go hand in hand with the mental illness because, you know, they sort of change their views on themselves and what they believe in their religion. Um, so anyway, I, I do believe that this stems from that. And so from the time I was 11, moving forward, um, I attended the reform synagogue with my mom and my stepdad and attended Hebrew school. Mm -hmm. Um, so, you know, it was a little bit different, um, (laughs) you know, but I am grateful that, you know, she chose, um, you know, sort of the foundation of Christianity mm-hmm. versus being drawn towards a cult, you know? Yeah. And I was going to say the exact same thing. So I guess it's interesting because it's like, um, did you have a chance to visit your father a lot when you were younger? I did. When I was young, we sort of all lived in California. And so I would see him on the weekends. Um, and so Christianity was a big part of his household. He was still pastoring a small church. Um, and then, and then during the summers, I would spend time with him as well. Um, so on one hand, I was sort of the pastor's daughter. And then on the other hand, I was spending Shabbat, you know, Friday nights or Saturday mornings in the synagogue. And so, you know, on, I was getting Christianity taught to me at my dad's house, who was very worried about my mom's conversion. But then on the other hand, um, you know, my mom with her mental illness was trying to tell me things like, um, you know, Jesus was just a prophet and a teacher. He was a good person. Um, Immaculate conception could not possibly be true. This is a fairy tale. Um, And then also going a little further and telling me that um, worshiping Jesus is sort of idol worship. And so I was getting pressured from that side um, to sort of reject Jesus as Messiah. Wow. So with all of that going on, like how did God or Jesus kind of play into your life? Like what was that one thing that gave you an opinion, good or bad, about God or Jesus? Well, I always knew that God existed, you know, as a little girl, I felt his presence, especially when I was really sad, um, you know, with my split family, um, I always felt his presence. And so I'd say that that was a key thing, you know, that he made himself real to me when I was little. Um, but I would say that the one thing that really altered my view and in no way am I anti-Semitic at all. I know there's, a, you know, anti-Semitism floating around right now. Yeah. Um, so again, I'm just sort of stating facts about my upbringing. Um, but when I turned 18, my mother started pressuring me to convert to Judaism. Mm-hmm. 
Um, And before she had always told me that, you know, she wanted me exposed, but that I didn't have to convert. But once I turned 18, her rhetoric started changing and the pressure began building. um, And she sort of changed her story where it was now, oh, I never said you, you didn't have to convert. I said, you couldn't convert until you were 18. Oh, And so I guess that there were some rules there. Um, And so because I didn't know better, trying to make my life a little bit easier, trying to appease her, um, I actually went through with the conversion process Mm -hmm. and I studied with the rabbi. uh, I think it was for about a year. Wow. Um, And so when I was 18, I went through the conversion process and I actually, part of that is going to a mikvah, which is sort of like um, a baptism. So they have a, a building and there's a female attendant and you dunk in the water three times and it sort of um, represents, you know, purity and, and cleansing and that sort of thing. Um, but at that moment, I just knew that I had made the wrong decision. That is amazing. And I mean, I understand why you did it because you love your mom. Who wouldn't, if they knew this is going to make my life easier. I don't want to disappoint my mom since it's so important to her. I mean, most people would have done the same thing. And I know a lot of people who do things like that, even when it comes to religion and everything else, because sometimes it's easier to do it for the other people and not so much for yourself. So once you realize maybe this is not right for me, what did you do after that? Well, I'd say that was about a three-year process of God making me really uncomfortable. Um, (laughs) I just, you know, my mom was happy, but I became increasingly more uncomfortable and more miserable with the thought of um, not having Jesus. Um, And so I was so sad at this one point that I was just crying um, by myself. And I just asked God, I thought, God, when was the last time I was even happy? And at that moment, I saw a picture of myself sitting on a church pew. Wow. And that was the moment where I realized Jesus was the answer. And this peace just transcended over me like a peace I've never felt before. That is amazing. I especially like how you're just like, when was the last time I was happy? You asked God about it. And he was like, show your picture when you were in church. And I also find it interesting. It seemed like you were almost going through like a grieving process over the loss of Jesus. And I just find that to be so interesting because it seems like you had a connection, a relationship with him. And when you felt like you lost it, it literally just tore you apart. Absolutely. You know, even when I was little, when my mom and stepdad were exploring the Messianic church and at the beginning of their conversion, I was still attending Awana. Um, And that Awana group was my only avenue to Jesus at that point. And so for about two years when I was, you know, a preteen, I would hop on that bus and it was just sort of this source of happiness for me. So I was trying to hang on, but at some point it got really hard. 
Yeah, I can imagine, especially during adolescence. So I'm just going to ask you, how does that play into your adolescence? Did you find yourself trying to rebel or just being upset? Like, how did that affect you as a teenager? It was really difficult because when you've been raised with one foundation and then somebody sort of pulls the rug out from under you and is trying to make you fearful of going to hell for you know, idol worship, you just feel really confused at that point. Mm -hmm. Um, And then when you add the pressure of, you know, one side of your family is Christian and, you know, they're kind of asking you, well, you believe in Jesus, don't you? You know, as if you're the one who's doing something wrong, you get kind of pressured from both sides. And it was a really tough place to be. Especially being in the middle at such a young age. Cause I mean, I've, I kind of think like being a teenager, it's hard for us as teenagers to kind of figure out what do I want to do with my life? What do I believe? And then having to answer such deep and intense questions to both of your parents while you're kind of like stuck in the middle because you want to please both of them. I find it, I think that would be hard as well. Yeah. Yeah. It's a really tough place to be. Um, but I have to say, you know, God was there. Mm -hmm. He was there, you know, just sort of waiting in the background for the dust to settle and for me to ask that question. Yeah, I know for me, it was a little different because I grew up in it. I grew up in a church, but my mom was part of a religion and everything. And it was almost like the religion I felt was very strict, like can't do this, can't do that. You're going to go to hell. I was even told if I didn't read something that I was supposed to read, then God was going to judge me for not reading it. And I could still go to hell. So for me, I just felt like, okay, like, no matter what I do, I'm just going to go to hell. What is the point? And it wasn't until I realized, okay, I had to kind of like, let all that go. I'm like, God, who are you? Like, is this true? I was taught this. I was taught that. What is really true? What's not? And I kind of went through that whole process of trying to deconstruct and figure out, okay, so what is true about you? What's not true about you? And I was, I prayed about it, read my Bible, and I it's amazing the things you'll find when you just read and stop listening to what other people are telling you. <laughs> it's just exactly. amazing. Exactly. Like, yeah. oh, this is what it says. It doesn't say this. Oh, this is what it says. Like my sister and I were talking about that the other day. Um, you know how in Psalms 31, it talks about like the, everyone called the Proverbs 31 woman and how you're supposed to be as a wife, quote unquote. I was just like, if you read the whole chapter, that's not what Jesus is saying. This is a lady giving advice to her son because apparently when, when you read the chapters, like he was hanging around with a whole bunch of women and she's like, no, this is the kind of woman you need to look for. So she was giving her son advice. I was like, and here we are, modern day women thinking we need to kill ourselves by doing all of this stuff. And I'm like, that's not even what it said. She's just telling him the kind of person that she thinks would be good for him. She's not saying, and it doesn't say to all of us, this is what you have to do. Because when I remember reading it when I was younger, they're like, yeah, this is the model. This is the type. I was like, that's just a lot of work. How, how is that even possible? But then when I start reading it for myself and actually praying about things, I'm like, oh, when you read the whole chapter, it, this is just what she was telling. It's a story. She's telling her son, this is what you look for. And yeah, we can take some of those qualities because I think they're good qualities, but it's not a mandatory type of thing so we were talking about that and it's just so amazing what you find out when you read and ask God for yourself like God you wrote this book what did you want me to get out of it 
what does it really say? It's just amazing. I agree with you. I mean, so many people come in or or their experience with religion is biased. They bring their own baggage into it, you know, and so they kind of spin their interpretations on it. And I think that that can do a lot of harm um, in the way that we, you know, maybe teach other people about God and yeah. faith and religion. Um, it can skew people's view. Absolutely. Because I look back on like some of the ways I thought about religion when I was younger. I was like, I was the most judgmental, hypocritical person ever. Like, that is not how God wants us to be. I was like, my my goal is not to judge people. Like, I'm not even trying to convert people. My whole thing is like, I just want to tell people, hey, if you're having an issue, this is what I do. I talk to God, I ask him this, and that's what I do. You know, I'm not trying to tell people what to do. I'm just saying, this helped me. If it helps you, feel free to try it. You know, if you choose not to, that is fine. You know, I just kind of feel like God can speak for himself. God, I mean, he uses us, but I don't think that he necessarily needs us to go and harass people to come to him. I think God can speak for himself. I think he uses us. And if we're obedient to what he tells us to do, we can definitely help someone to be a blessing to them. But I think that if push comes to shove, God can reach that person where we can't because he's God and he knows them. So I totally agree with that whole thing about not we bring our own baggage and our biases and then we try to tell people what to do. Exactly. And you're right. You know, God's got his ways. He knows how people will listen. Mm -hmm. He knows the circumstances that will change hearts. And um, all we can do is try to be, you know, a light. And, um, you know, if somebody needs help or advice, then we do our best to offer biblical wisdom um and share our own experiences but it's not our job to force it on other people yeah I agree and there have been many times when people ask me questions I had no clue and I was like god what do I say what do I tell them and then I would get an idea and then I would tell them that so it's like god can still work and tell us what to say to help people so yeah I agree so let me ask you a question um so once you got that flash of oh you were happier when you were in church what did you do after that well so I wasn't exactly sure what to do so I I mean it sounds super cliche I found an episode of the 700 club (laughs) and I did the salvation prayer with them on the tv and then I called their 1-800 number just to make sure that it was valid. And so um, (laughs) that's what I did. And then following that, I told my dad um, that I had, you know, I was not going to continue to go to um, the synagogue, that I wanted to um, deepen my faith with Christ. And so I asked him for advice about what kind of church I should look for. And that Christmas, he gave me um, an amplified Bible as a Christmas gift. And so I took my, I bought myself a cross to commemorate that. Um, And then I took my Bible and I went to church every Sunday. I found a really great church with a college um, group, a college service. And I started attending that by myself every week. Even though when I would come downstairs dressed for church with my Bible, 
Um, you know, I faced some persecution at home because I was a college student living at home, yeah. you know, with my mom saying things like, um, who do you think you are? You're destroying this family by changing religions. Um, and you must think you're so righteous and, or something. And so, you know, even though I faced that, I still continued to attend church every week. Mm -hmm. Um, And despite that, I felt this deep peace that I had made the right decision and I was on the right track. I love that. And I guess for me, just the fact that you did face persecution in your own home, because I was a college student living at home, too. And I know my mom did have her rule, like, as long as you're in my house. You have to go to church. So I did continue to go to church, even though I was kind of starting to think differently. But the fact that you had to face that every single week when you went to church, but yet you still had peace and you continued to go, says a lot about how your relationship with God was getting stronger and how strong it had to be. Because a lot of people probably would have said like, well, you know what? I'm just going to wait till I move out and then I'll go, you know? So that just shows a lot about how God was connecting with you and reaching out to you. Exactly. You know, it just sort of, um, it really did strengthen my relationship because it's a hard thing to do on your own. Um, but just that peace, I mean, literally that peace that transcends understanding, I know what that is, Mm -hmm. you know, I've experienced it multiple times. And so, you know, I know that there are people who, don't believe in God, but I've had too many things that have happened where there's no way that I could reject the idea of God or Jesus. Mm-hmm. I know because I felt it and I've experienced him. Absolutely. No, I get that a hundred percent. Cause I was thinking about that the other day. I was like, well, see, I can't say, I don't believe in God. I can't say there's not a God because like you said, I felt him too many times and God is always talking to me. He's always here. And it's like, even when you, when I pray for things, you know, God works it out in such a way. You're just like, it's impossible. It couldn't have happened any other way. No one could have orchestrated all of these small details to happen to make the miracles prayed for actually happen. So it's one of those things where it's like, it's constant for me. Like, yeah, I know God exists. I know even when times get difficult and hard and it's like, God, why aren't you listening? It's just, I just can't say, well, there is no God. Cause I know that's not true. I know there is a God and I know he listens. So what is your relationship with God like now? Well, it's still really great. Um, I just feel that throughout the years I've continued to mature in my faith. Mm-hmm. And I think that, you know, we have to put effort into that, you know, Absolutely. because we can sort of stay baby Christians or toddler Christians or adolescents or adult Christians. And so the way that I do that is by attending my church's Bible study Mm -hmm. um, and then attending services. And um, and now more recently uh, with my church, uh, we're going to start launching a ministry called uh, a grace group for people with mental illness. I love it. So it's a really safe space for them to uh, get get spiritual support in the church environment um, where many times people try to hide, you know, what's going on because they feel ashamed. I love that because it's, I guess sometimes, you know, churches, 
they don't really accept mental illness. They just think you should pray about it and it goes away. But the fact that your church is accepting it, you want to be a safe space for people to come and be there. And I know if that's the idea you guys have, you're going to help them and be there for them. And I just think that is awesome. And it speaks a lot to your church actually knowing what God wants you to do, which is like, love people, help people, be there for people and not criticize the judge. I think that's amazing. Yeah, it's it's a newer ministry. Um, we are fortunate that we have uh, a licensed marriage and family therapist on staff awesome. who also is a chaplain. And so, you know, as God is working with me to sort of reach out and start helping, you know, to extend a branch for people who have experienced childhood trauma, um, that, you know, this is an avenue that I can do that. And so I will be one of the co-leaders. Um, but I think it's so needed because, you know, as you said, many churches, you know, pastors only maybe take one class on, on mental health and counseling. And so, you know, they're not mental health experts, But if we can provide a safe space where people don't feel judged, that they're not told that it is a condition of a sinful life um, and not something that, you know, can be fixed by just following the scripture because, you know, brains are altered when there's mental illness involved. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's a bit more complex, but I feel like this is the great way for churches to start to minister to people who have been through things or have mental illnesses um, because a lot of them, you know, feel stigmatized and unwelcomed Mm -hmm. and we don't want that. God loves everybody. Yeah, he does. And I totally, I love that whole concept because I have a master's in counseling psychology I worked as a therapist before. I'm a relationship coach. And then even now, I still work with like the National Children's Advocacy Center. So there's a, like you said, there's a lot that goes into mental illness. There's a lot that goes into childhood trauma that actually affects the way we think and how we do things. Because I know at the Advocacy Center, we're always talking about ACEs, right? Um, Adverse childhood experiences and how it actually does change the way people think it keeps you more in a like survival mode more so than letting your brain grow and develop. So it's amazing that you have people on staff who understand all of these things and can actually give people help. And I love the fact you say you have a licensed marriage and family therapist there. So I am excited for you guys. I'm thrilled. It sounds amazing. Yeah. I can't wait to be a part of this ministry um, because I know that it's going to bring people closer to God, mm-hmm. um, and get them plugged into a community that should be supportive, no matter what people are going through. Yeah. And I think having a relationship with God is holistic, just like any relationship, right? So I think that it's important to work on your spiritual growth, but it's also important to take care of yourself and self-care and your mind and your body, because all of these things can help you have a better relationship with God. And I think when it comes to relationships, the more you do it, the easier it is. You know, the closer you get to God when you do have that relationship with him. So I love it. Right. And and in my opinion, I I know I, I know that therapy is wonderful and great and very needed for many people, but I personally feel that if you 
don't also allow God to heal you. It's mm -hmm. sort of an incomplete healing. And so I feel like if we want to be completely healed, we need to address all aspects of ourselves, which includes uh -huh. the spiritual component. Exactly. Because it all just goes together. So let me ask you, if there was someone out there who was actively looking for God, what advice would you give them? I would ask them just to pray and ask God to reveal himself to them um, because they might be really surprised how he answers. Um, and it's not always the way that we expect, you know, there are many different little ways that God makes himself known. Sometimes it's a feeling, um, a presence that you can't explain. Sometimes there's words that sort of leap off of the page when you're reading a Bible or maybe a book that, you know, there's just so many different ways that, you know, we should be aware and open to. But if you ask God to reveal himself, he will do it. He just needs, you know, well, he wants to know that you want that. He's a gentleman. He's not going to force himself on anybody. So he needs our permission and he wants us to ask. I love that he needs our permission and he wants us to ask. That is amazing advice. Well, thank you so much, Julie, for being a guest on the Finding God podcast. And I hope to hear more from you in the future. Thank you so much. I appreciate your time. You're welcome. I absolutely love this interview. I especially like how Julie and I were able to talk about how she grew up in a home where her father was a pastor and how her mother and stepfather converted to Judaism. I found this to be interesting because despite everything that was going on in Julie's life, God never left her. I feel that Julie's story shows us that God's love for us goes beyond anything that we could ever dream or imagine. So if you are feeling a void in your life, then I would like to encourage you to get to know God on a personal level and you will be amazed at how God can fill the void in your life. The song that we're going to listen to this week is from our Artist of the Week, The Radical One, and we will be listening to her single, Made Away. When they switch up on you, you just stay silent. Don't turn your back on them even when they be wild. And they never had a real one, don't know what it feel like. So be the change you want to see, but be that in real life. Don't change who you are, just trying to fit in. Highway be different than how you gon' win. Stick to your script, don't play by their rules. You are unique, so don't be nobody fool. It's only one you, so just blow their minds. Take care of your fam, never leave one behind. Cause we all we got in this whole cool world. If you are a man, just take care of your girl. If you are a queen, be all that he needs. Never gotta worry about him running in these streets. Just trust in the Lord, he pray every day. Always believe that my God gon' make a way. He gon' make a way, my God gon' make a way. He gon' make a way, my God gon' make a way. He gon' make a way, morning, noon, night, and day. He gon' make a way, my God gon' make a way. He gon' make a way, my God gon' make a way. He gon' make a way, my God gon' make a way. He gon' make a way, morning, noon, night, and day. He gon' make a way, my God gon' make a way. Play you. I know my ladder gonna be greater than my former. That's why I always lift you up and they think that I ain't normal. 
but don't really care because I know the God I serve. It's bigger than their whispers, you bigger than their words. Every time that I need you, you gon' always come through. I never ever doubt you because I know your word is true. If it ain't Bible, don't bring it to me. That's my only foundation. I built my house on rock and I can't mess with that sin. Because I serve a risen savior and I know he the man. So don't even bring the hate my way to sight the game you want to play. Yeah. He gon' make a way, my God gon' make a way. He gon' make a way, my God gon' make a way. He gon' make a way, morning, noon, night, and day. podcast i would like to thank you so much for being here with me today and for listening to another inspirational story about how people find god if you love the podcast as much as i love spending time with you i encourage you to share this week's episode with a friend or family member and to make sure that you like and follow the podcast wherever you listen to podcasts i will also love it if you would leave a review for the podcast so that you can let me know how much you are enjoying the show If you would like to get in contact with Julie, the Radical One, or myself, all of our contact information can be found in the show notes, and all you have to do is click on the links below, and you will definitely be able to get in contact with us. If you would like to be a guest on the podcast, click on the email address in the show notes and let me know that you would like to be a guest, and I will make sure that I get in contact with you and schedule a date and time for you to record an interview. If you would like to submit music to the podcast, click on the email address in the show notes and send me an email letting me know that you would like to submit a song for the show. In the email, send me a picture, a short bio, and an mp3 of the song that you would like to submit. Well, I think that's all for now. So until next week, have an amazing day and a wonderful weekend. Bye-bye.